Hey, it's a how's it, everybody? Welcome back to Freedom Fanatics. I'm Alex, your host, together with my esteemed colleagues, Sholin and Tiejo. Guys, this week, we're going to be tackling a story coming out of the, the Western Cape uh, from, from the beautiful Garden Route. Um, and now the story itself is, is quite a beautiful one um, for, you know, often we, we deal with some, some quite depressing stories, some not so, not so lacquer stories. But this week, we obviously we, we want to highlight also some, some good news. Um, and this one actually comes from uh, Good Things Guy, uh, which is a great site highlighting uh, good news stories uh, coming from across the country. So this one is about a young female boxer um, who, uh, her name is Anati Mbalo, and essentially she started boxing uh, in 2019 in order to lose weight, and she started at, at a local uh, boxing academy called the Masipakame Boxing Academy, um, and she grew to, to really enjoy it, uh, and then she went on to uh, fight in the National Boxing Championship in Durban, where she won the middleweight division. Um, so, before we, we jump into it, um, I, I always love getting your guys' impressions. Let's see if I'm going to come to you uh, just on this one. What are your, what, what's your kind of your takeaway from, from this story? Well, I think this is a wonderful story. Here in front of us is a young person who is quite talented and quite skilled. And they are using their talent and skill to, 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 to do something. And, 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 mm. I do hope that society will come together to assist with funds so she would be able to travel around the country competing in competitions because mm. she is really, really doing well, using her talents and skills to put food on her table, to mm. lose weight and to yeah, keep herself busy. I think it's a good story to tell. For sure. Uh, Sean, the, the, thing, the thing that struck me about this, this story was where... Um, where the girl herself speaks about the growth in, in self-esteem <coughs> that the sport gave her. Um, and I think it's sometimes, you know, we often talk about the freedom to play, um, you know, the importance of having people having opportunities, but self-esteem and character development can help across the board um, in societies, especially where there's a lot of, um, where there's a lot of strife and a lot of difficulties uh, yeah. in bringing dignity back into the household. Yeah, no, uh, one of the things I love about, especially the fact that it's a boxing um, club that they have, is that we're actually starting to see alternative sports, you know, actually becoming mm. popular in communities. Um, because, you know, for, in townships, the primary um, sports that people usually go to is like you have to play soccer, you have to play rugby um, or cricket. Um, but now we're actually starting to see sports like basketball, like um mm boxing actually starting to become popular and are popular alternatives actually to like you know these mainstream sports where people who are maybe not so skilled enough to play these sports actually have a range of sports that they can not only partake in but actually take the initiative to start in their communities and one of the things that Diego especially mentioned was that um, funding should be you know should be actually generated in these communities. And I also think, I actually agree with that because I feel like funding should primarily be focused on facilities that are multifunctional, 
um, if that makes sense, where you can have a range of sporting activity taking place at alternative periods throughout the week, throughout the day. And that actually creates more opportunities for, for kids to actually be taking a part in productive extracurricular activity than, you know, because kids can, you, the youth usually get up to a whole lot of stuff if it's not, <laughs> if that energy is not going to be directed into something productive like this. And the resilience is one of the things I really love about this, um, about this boxing club that they've actually started is because even in the article, they mentioned that, you know, the boxing club is housed in like a one um, room house um, mm-hmm. that was provided by the municipality way back. And it's actually been, you know, broken into equipment's been stolen. And yet we see the resilience to be like, you know what, we love the sport we're still going to pull through mm. despite all the negative things. Absolutely. I think the, 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 one of the striking things here, and we've seen it in stories we've covered this year, is the, the, re, the need to protect these facilities because obviously what one key ingredient is to have someone to, uh, and I think it's something South Africans have proven themselves of, of is having the initiative um, and the, to start something. And in this case, it was a gentleman, Coach Madikane, who started this boxing club over a decade ago. But there really needs to be a concerted effort um, within communities because we know that it is likely that the government will not be able to protect you um, or your or infrastructure. Um, and, and yeah, I guess that's something that, that communities really need to try and prioritize. Um, so... Scaling up these kind of initiatives, um, how important is safety? How, what are the kind of things that that we can maybe look at at getting or getting going in order to make this kind of uh, reality more scalable? Well, I think one of the things that could happen is that communities could form policing forums, right? Policing and safety forums come together and together ensure that your society is protected. We unfortunately the reality of the matter is that we have incompetent police. One, we have two under resourced poli- uh, under resourced police. Three, we have understaffed uh, police. So it, it is a reality that the police cannot deal with all safety issues in society. So I'd I'd say a good start is to start a policing forum and work hand in hand with the police of course and in areas where possible if community members could come together contribute a bit and get a security company to look after the neighborhood that can can be done as well in a community like Grahamstown in the eastern cape you have that you have community members coming together they have this security company called high tech that basically looks after everyone in the town right but in areas whereby you can't afford to, to, to start such a thing, you would yeah, start with a forum and work together with the police, Department of Safety, and take it from there. Mm, absolutely. Jess, I think let, let, let's go into our next story and maybe we can draw some parallels between the two. Um, and this one, you know, we, 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 we're going to stick with stories that, that relate to young people that, that you know, that, that affect young people ultimately at the end of the day. And this is... Maybe a slightly more complicated one to wrap your head around, um, but this comes from Times Live, um, I think the Sunday Times more specifically, and uh, the article cited schools face falling fees as parents feel the pinch. Um, many may be forced to cut down on nice-to-have items due to rise in exemptions. So 
School, so exemptions, schools offer, uh, models, for models, these schools offer exemptions to parents who can't necessarily afford to pay for the fees. It could be for a variety of reasons, it could be single parent-headed households. Um, it could be, uh, there are a variety of issues because parents are, um, uh, are entitled to send their children to uh, schools within their feeder zone. So there has to be some sort of give and take between schools, um, sort of uh, compensating for, for people in the area, even if they can't necessarily afford the fees. Now, obviously, the difficulty here is you need a certain, it's like tax, I guess, you need a certain amount of people to pay tax that can at least support the imbalance of not having uh, people paying uh, tax, or in this case, school fees. Um, so, James, I think the, the reason the reason I wanted to, to uh, share the story um, was because there were some things that caught my attention, and specifically, the fact that it's increasing. And, you know, with a bit of a broader picture thing of how things going on within the broader society, within the economy, affect things like parents being able to pay school fees. Um, so what my takeaway here was that, you know, we need, um, we need, you need a robust economy, you need economic growth in order to, for people to have, um, money in their wallets to pay for things like education, which is, which is a pretty basic um, sort of household, I guess, expense. So, Sherlin, let me start with you here. Um, what, what, would, what would, why, why is job creation, you know, um, and unemployment, how can something like that affect the abilities of schools to be able to fulfill their mandate to educate children? Yeah, no. So, of course, um, you know, if we, if you're working, that is the best way to be able to send your kid um, to school. And employment is a vital part of that for your kid to be able to receive an education and a quality education, that is. Um, and in South Africa, you know, we already have extremely um, high unemployment rates, whether it's for youth or um, for, you know, for the general population. And that makes it really hard for people to actually receive an income to even just afford the necessities in this country. Because in South Africa, we know that firstly, our taxes are already high, and then we need to struggle with a high cost of living um, in the country, which makes it even more difficult for parents to breed. And I mean, any parent, the primary responsibility for them would be that my kid needs to go to school, my kid needs to have an education so that they can have a, you know, a very positive or um, prospective future that they will be able to achieve with that education. And in South Africa currently, we are already struggling, you know, getting the basics, being able to pay for the basics, having to pay for an education is even more um, difficult. And I mean, one thing something we possibly going to discuss is the education, the, the school vouchers that's actually a proposal by the IRR that actually helps to alleviate that pressure from parents by, you know, making use of the taxes that parents already pay um, and actually giving it back into their pockets to help them, you know, have a sustainable money um, basket that they can use for the kids' education. Yeah, I'm going to circle back to, to the education vouchers, but I think, Tiago, the, what I want, the one thing I want to draw in here is the idea of ideology, worldviews, the way that policies at a government level affect people. And we're going to touch on it in burning questions just to give you a little bit of a taste on that is here we're seeing how, maybe, maybe you can explain to us how 
having policies that empower individuals and parents rather than having the government pay or distribute these funds, um, how that helps to build societies that are sustainable, that grow um, futures that allow children to actually get a proper education and allow parents to provide their children with access to good education. Well, the good thing about the voucher system is that schools, when, when you do have such a system in place, schools know that if you don't work hard enough, then you're not going to make uh, an income, right? Or you're not going to maximize your income. For you to maximize your income as a school in, 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 in an area where you have the voucher system in place, you need to take in as many students as possible. And for you to be able to take in as many students as possible, you obviously have to offer quality education that people want, that people demand, and that people end up coming to get. So part of part of how they're having such a system would assist is that you won't have schools being allocated huge amounts of money, even though they are failing at delivering basic quality education. So such a system would allow for teachers and schools that are working hard, that are delivering the best quality education to benefit the most mm -hmm. and, and get the most resources so they can continue to run their business as, as smoothly as possible. Effectively, I mean, Teo, you often make the comparison of government to, to being a big uh, business. Um, and I guess the, the exact same goes to, to schools, you know, and, and the free market is that you reward those who offer a superior service at a price that you're willing to pay, a kind of willing seller, willing buyer uh, system. Uh, and it's not necessarily that you need the best resources to offer the best um, education per se. But Shalin, give us the, so Tiago's touch on the idea of competition in, in helping to improve education. Do you want to give us like in 30 seconds, maybe the kind of elevator pitch for a school voucher um, and maybe like in your neck of the woods, how it, how it kind of would work. Yeah, so I'll try my best to give an elevator pitch on that one, Alex. <laughs> so essentially, um, the school vibe is based on the fact that, you know, in South Africa, our education system re requires um, a lot of money and it makes up the majority of the government's spending, actually. And the government spends approximately more than 400 billion um, ran on education alone. And yet in South Africa, we do not see sufficient results. And some of the stats that we see from um, the Center for Risk Analysis um, shows us that, you know, less than half of pupils who start grade one um, actually end up passing matric. We see things like only three out of 10 libraries in um, public schools actually have a library, you know, mm. and that is not sustainable or helpful at all. And so what the school voucher system essentially suggests is that we should take that money that is being mismanaged by our education department, by our government, and we should instead divert it to um, parents and give it as a voucher to, to parents to which they can then take and then they can choose between schools where they actually feel that their kid would be suited best because the facility, you know, actually offers a, a proper education for their children. And what that will do is that 
teachers and schools across South Africa won't just get money all willy-nilly. Money won't just be thrown at the at the problem, but the, but the schools will then actually have to compete against one another to actually say like, no parents come here to our side, mm. to our school, and we will bring that vouchers here because then we will actually be able to give your kid the best education in our region, in our city, or in our community. And I mean, in a place like um, in, in Cape Town where I live, um, I mean, like, there are really well-performing schools, whether private or public, and then there are schools that are just failing miserably, where things like school governing bodies are not sufficiently in place, where parents are not really involved. And those parents who are actually maybe poor, stuck in those circumstances, can actually take the kids out of those failing schools and direct them to more better functioning schools where they know that the prospects for the kids will be better. And I hope I did the school justice, the school voucher policy justice right there. No, um, but that is essentially what it is, yeah. No, it's essentially taking the money out from, from bureaucrats and putting it in the pockets yes. of parents. Um, so, Tiako, final thoughts before we wrap up this episode. Some correlations between the two stories. On the one hand, we've got communities doing things for themselves, making do with very minimal resources. We've got the idea of a school voucher to um, help uh schools uh, alleviate some of the financial burden within a very com- uh, sort of constrained economy. Parents are struggling to make ends meet. Um, your final thoughts before we move on to burning questions with Mbali. Final thoughts, free market economy, free market economy, free market economy. Allow individuals to do whatever they'd like to do, generate money however they'd like to generate it. So long as it's within the boundaries of the law, so long as they are not stepping on anyone's toes, allow people to get education from where they want to get it. Uh, so long as that education is being paid for, I mean, allow the free market to regulate itself. Mm-hmm. People must make their choices and based on demands, um, services should be supplied. I think, I think, I think that's, 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 that's the essential tie-in thing between the two stories that, yeah, people should have the freedom to, excel in whatever field they want to excel, do whatever they want to do, go to wherever they want to go. It's their own. It should be their choice. Absolutely. And I guess it should be the, the at least a large duty of the government just to keep people and property safe. So I think on that note, guys, remember you can follow us at Badger of Loti on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and what else have I, whatever I missed, TikTok? Yeah, catch us on TikTok as well. Uh, and... Remember, guys, your freedom is worth fighting for. Stay tuned now for our next little segment with Mbali on Burning Questions. Hello and welcome to another episode of Burning Questions. Hi, Sholen. Hi, Alex. Hi, Diego. Hey, Mbali. Thanks for having us. Cool. Let's get right into it. Um, so today, guys, our code card is from um, Mr. Gary Kasparov. Um, yeah, very interesting surname. So um, 
The code card reads, the failures of capitalism are still better than the successes of socialism. Straight to the point. Um, let me start with you, um, Sholin. Maybe for someone at home who doesn't know what capitalism and socialism is, what exactly is that? Yeah, thanks for the big toss in Bali. <laughs> so, <Absolutely>. capitalism, <laughs> so capitalism, um, essentially, um, I, I, don't even, I don't even like the term capitalism um, because mm -hmm. it was created by socialists. Um, at the end of the day, um, capitalism in a much better term for it is actually the free market. And what that yeah. essentially is, is that you have the freedom as an individual um, to buy and sell goods um, to the best of your ability to the consumer. And in a, in a capitalist free market economy, I feel like the, the, the consumer is the primary, the individual is the primary uh, mechanism for mm. to regulate that economy because what people buy and sell it de depends on the need um, essentially of the society of the community and that's where people actually go to buy you know if you have a product and it actually needs to be sold on the free market that product will then succeed and mm. if it does if it's not needed it might fail and we leave it yeah. open to that one in up to the consumer to make that decision. And, uh, and as best and as far as possible, we want, and I mean, we all are believers in free markets. We want uh -huh. the government removed from actually being this big boss telling people what to buy, mm -hmm. where to buy, and how to buy it. Um, yeah. And socialism is essentially that thing. A socialism is a more centralized economy where the government tells you um, how much you must get paid, um, mm. where you can go buy it, when you can go buy it, and sets, the, and sets prices, you know, essentially for products, which is usually um, a very, a dozen, it does not support the consumer or the individual at the end of the day, because they're telling you what you essentially need, mm. um, even if it's yeah. not what you need. And in, yeah. in the world, um, we've seen that free market economies always tend to exceed socialist, communist um, countries and economies in the world. Um, a free market economy, I'll give you an example, is the likes of the United Kingdom, the United States, um, many European countries like Switzerland, Germany, um, France, those are free market economies, South Korea, Singapore, um, Botswana right next to us is a brilliant example of a free market economy where we see more socialist communist countries are the likes of Zimbabwe, um, Cuba, North mm -hmm. Korea. Um, these are countries that are struggling um, in the world right now because they are socialist economies. So yeah. we can see a clear picture of what works and what doesn't work. What doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Um, Alex, maybe I'll come to you. Thanks for that, um, Sholin. You, you did perfectly. See, I know Thank you. you <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, where is South Africa? Are we capitalists? Are we socialists? What? Who are we exactly? Yeah, well, it's such a good question, man. Because, I, well, essentially, we are a free market economy. We are a capitalist society. Um, okay. But we have very socialist policies from the government. So essentially, what what they try to do is like like Sholin said, is where you centrally control stuff. So a very good example, and I've used it before because it, it's so blatantly clear, is like with the state of disaster for, under COVID-19, where the government wanted to say, okay, uh, people, you are not allowed to buy 
open-toed shoes. You may not buy hot chicken or that kind of stuff. You know, it's where you have a, a central government making decisions yeah. on behalf of people. Um, and so that's, um, it, it, it's, it's very, when you put it in layman's terms, it's quite easy to see why someone would prefer to have autonomy over their own life than having their decision making um, outsourced uh, to somebody who they don't know sitting in an office somewhere in Pretoria. Bro, that is true. Um, Mr. Diego, maybe I'll come to you before you go to comment. Um, what are your thoughts on this code card? Well, my thoughts on the code card is that my thoughts are that the code card is quite vague. Um, it does not say what in particular we are looking at. Are we looking at economic failures, political failures, social failures? What what type of failures really? But generally speaking, I would I would agree with the man since since I am a capitalist myself, proudly so. But in in a more realistic way, I think yeah we can't just make such general statements. We'd have to look at cases on based on their merits and judge from there. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a general statement to make. But right. if I could if I could just add to to what Tiago said, I think what's quite useful about Tiago sort of zoning uh, sort of zooming out a bit there is I think Sholin's, uh list of countries that are t typically more social, more socialist, more communist, relative mm -hmm. to company, companies, EO, uh, countries, uh, countries. Rather, uh -huh. um, that are more free market capitalist, is you can see yeah. how more successful those countries are. Um, so mm -hmm. I think just on whether, you know, there's certain indexes, whether it's uh, GDP per capita uh, or whatever metric it is that you use, I think even just a vague sort of comparison in terms of GDP, those kind of stuff, you, you begin to get a bit of a taste, but there's certainly pros and cons to, to both. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, guys, let's go to the first comment. Um, this one is from Tunzi, and it tweets, I disagree. I disagree. Capitalism has always inter interfered where there is socialism. After all, capitalists are very greedy to allow any other system to be tried. Therefore, they say you're very greedy, sir. What do you think? <laughs> I wonder where, where, where this is coming from. I mean, we, hey. we as capitalists believe in a society whereby everyone has the freedom to become whatever they would like to become. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't see how that is greed. I mean, we, 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 are one, we are the one people who really, really, really are for everyone, would really mm -hmm. love to see everyone excel um, rather than a few people excelling uh, and the rest of the people not doing well. Socialism, in, in, in a socialist system, for example, you have poli the politically connected and the political doing well in such a system, whereas uh, ordinary citizens are not doing well, you know? So we are the one people who want to see everyone do well. And yeah, so yeah. It, it, uh, this is contradictory truth. Okay. Yeah, I, I, can I add on to what Diego just said? Like that was actually yes, brilliant yeah. because Many times what we see even in, in, in countries that are more capitalist is that you can, in the, like in the United States or in South Africa or in Western countries more uh, specifically, you get capitalists and socialists abundantly. We, mm. Capitalism literally allows a free market, not only of economics, but of discussion and debate and competition. That's what capitalism is all about. However, yeah. when we go to socialists, um, or even communists, um, the more extreme form of socialism, you see that debate 
and free freedom is not usually welcome yes. in those countries and that's the ironic part that i find about that we capitalism allows it tries to maximize freedom um socialism tries to take away as much freedom as possible and to remove that free debate that free speech where we can actually disagree with one another Yeah. yeah, that is actually true. Um, let's go to our second comment. These two, co- these comments are fairly kind of similar, and I feel like the people commenting on our, you know, social media are very, very socialist, unfortunately. So this one is from um, Bliss. I'll use the second name. This one says, "Nearly all socialist system were crushed by greedy capitalism, so we'll never know." <laughs> Um, Alex, I'll give that one to you. <laughs> no, the, I think the the thing is in like the, in the early 1990s, there was obviously the falling of of, of the Berlin Wall, and that was the end of the, yeah. the Soviet Union, which was a very socialist uh, system, or uh, mm-hmm. society rather. Um, and that was replaced by free market um, policies, free market economies, free market government. Um, so I think that's the thing. Is for me when you when you speak about capitalism as Sheldon said you know to rather think about it as the free market market is just a synonym for choice free choice versus yes. um sort of central choice um yeah. so mm-hmm. i don't think it's, it's more just a thing of that people yes you do get greedy capitalists because people are people have ambitions um and people yeah. are flawed and want not necessarily uh do do want to get themselves ahead of others but ultimately um when you have a society where people build wealth where people create and add value um and people are rewarded for the value that they add it benefits the whole of society like we're speaking about in freedom fanatics where you know if everyone is doing well um then there's more money to go around there's more money to be spent on like in schools you don't just have to provide an education you can also yeah. provide extracurricular activities you can build more jungle gyms you can build more mm-hmm. boxing um facilities for for people in in rural areas. So yeah. I don't think it is not an active thing that people try to eliminate social society is just that ultimately uh better ideas win. Um yeah. no matter how long it takes, you know, at the moment, you know, we've we what are we 27 years into democracy, but with very mm-hmm. socialist policies, I think we're going to see that it will be the probably be the the fall of the ANC and with them will go their socialist policies. So yeah. I don't think it's a deliberate act. I think people choose with their for ideas that work. Yeah, Mali was just going to say that. Yeah, socialism is a setup for failure. That's all I was going to say. Definitely. I was, was going to yes, make a comment as well that I don't mm-hmm. think capitalism and greed dealt with socialism. Blah 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 blah. The reality of the matter is that socialism has never existed and socialism will never exist. It's it's really all an ideology created by Karl Marx. It's all in the mind. It's not there in practice. It's not there at the practical level. It has never existed. Whereas with the free market for this with the free market with the free market economy that's something that 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 already exists. It comes naturally in society. The only thing yeah. is that government comes and mm-hmm. tries to intervene in what's natural right mm-hmm. socialism is not a natural idea it's something that someone said Karl Marx set down a uh, mm-hmm. thought of society how a perfect society would look like but unfortunately in the real world there is no such thing as a perfect world and yeah. that's why socialism will never pass it's it's, it's not natural and it has never existed yeah yeah I, 
I kind of agree with what Diego actually says there. I have to, I have to be honest because what we actually see is the reason for um, socialism's failure is that because it tries to control so many people and create this utopia where government is God, um, humans have this natural instinct for freedom. That's what yeah. we all want. We all want to be able to make, be decision makers of our own lives. And because we have this innate struggle that whenever we feel any sort of oppression by this higher authority that is, this, that is um, you know, trying to control our lives, we have this innate feeling to push back and actually yeah. fight for that freedom. And that's why um, socialist governments always tend to fall. And yeah. we see this in Zimbabwe but with Robin Mugabe. Yeah. We are going to see this with the ANC. We've seen yeah. it with the Soviet Union, that they are just not able to last because the people eventually realize that, you know what, our freedoms are being taken away from us. Definitely. Alex, what? any last um, words? And then we'll go to you, Diego. <laughs> No, I'll hand over to Tiako. It looks like he's got a cool. of wisdom to share. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I just wanted to say that, uh, I just wanted to explain the point that socialism has never existed before, right? Mm-hmm. Point to me one country whereby you have had everyone from the president to the cleaner to the medical mm. doctors uh, being equal. We have never had such a situation before. Yeah. But with the free market, we have had situations whereby someone with their natural skill, they are able to turn into this and that and that out of waking heart they're able to turn into three four five six that's yeah. something that exists now socialism doesn't exist it's all in the mind uh that's what it is really and that's that's my essential point sure yeah definitely guys you heard it first here from fan socialism doesn't exist guys thank you so much <laughs> for joining us on this episode of burning questions um do remember your freedom is worth fighting for